Welcome to episode 54 of the Two and Out CFL podcast. A little bit different uh, off the top here. Uh, terrible news. Sunday morning, uh, Calgary Stampeders uh, defensive back, uh, former Michigan State Spartan Mylon Hicks uh, was killed uh, in a shooting in a Calgary nightclub. And uh, every CFL team will be remembering Mylon and uh, paying tribute to him this uh, weekend, uh, I'm, there will be moments of silence uh, across the league and remembering uh, the player he was, but most importantly, the person he was, uh, the son and uh, the, the teammate, uh, the brother that he was uh, to everybody around him by all accounts. Uh, a very giving uh, person. I, I can't put my thoughts uh, together uh, of how sad and needless and unnecessary uh, this violence is is if you do want to read up about it, uh, Oz Davis uh, from the gruelingtruth.net, he put together a really solid piece to kind of put what I was thinking and what he was thinking, maybe what we're all thinking on, uh, not paper, but uh, on the internet. I encourage you to check that out uh, right now. We'll have 10 seconds of silence to pay tribute to Mylon Hicks. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Every week, John John Fraser. Fraser. To me, if this isn't rock bottom for the Bombers, I don't know what is. And Travis Curra. Who would win between the world's fastest cow, the CFL Rabbit, or Brandon Banks? We'll deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Bad pizza's better than good salad, right? It's true. (laughs) It it, it really is. Just like bad wings are, are better than most anything in the world. Can't forget the nonsense. Ready, set, hook! And it is episode 54 of the Tune Out CFL podcast. I'm Travis Curra, John Fraser. Not around. He's calling in sick to the podcast. I guess he's legitimately sick, but he had his birthday last weekend. I think it's one of those man colds where you're sick, but you're not really sick, like all our wives uh, tell us. So, I am joined by the Angry Elk as a co-host this week. Not really. (laughs) I would love to be, but Fraser, man, pull up your gitch, and uh, hopefully I'll talk to you next week, or at least you can feel a little bit better. And we're getting right into it with getting waxed with Brazilian Ty. Ty, I understand what you're watching the Blue Jays right now, playing the Orioles. What's the situation? Uh, 2-1, bases loaded. Dunstein came in to pitch, so Saunders got lifted for Upton. All right. Who are we waxing this? It. Okay, okay. You did pause it because, yeah, you get a little crazy watching baseball. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> who are we waxing this week? Uh, the Kamish. Ooh. Okay. This suspension makes absolutely no sense to me. I get the fine, which $10,000 CFL coach's salary totally makes sense to me. But he's not suspended from actually doing what he does, which is coaching. He can still coach the game from the the press box area. It's just moving his location, really. It's not really, really. A punishment. It's more just to piss him off. <laughs> to antagonize him a little bit more. <laughs> that, 
that's the way I'm looking at it. That he's he's going to be right on top of the game, and he can't do anything. He can't go down and yell at Zach Carlos like he always does and try to hire up his team. He, he can't do that. He's got to stay up there the whole time, and it's going to kill him. And if that's, if that's what Orange's goal was, I'm sure it wasn't, but if that's what it was, that's a joke. <laughs> I I I have a completely different thought process regarding this. I will talk about it in the bomb of the week. We also will be joined by Ryan from the CFL Horseman that thinks it's an absolute joke uh, <laughs> as well that he hasn't uh, been kicked out of the sidelines. Have you ever? I I can't think of another time when a coach has been banned from the sidelines. I can I think about hockey. Uh, there's been uh, hockey coaches that have went off the deep end. I think Tortorella's been suspended uh, a few times. Who was Jim the devil? I was going to say <laughs> Who was the devil's coach that told uh, Koharski to go eat another donut? Uh, oh, I can't even remember that now. I was going to look that up too. That would have been real good. <laughs> but we've never seen this in the CFL. No, but like Ord said, there was no precedent for it. Well, this is your chance to set a precedent for it and make it an actual punishment. And I don't think he did that. All right. If I'm going to say, I get it was just a little bit of a slap on the hand by Kent Austin, but intent shouldn't matter. He still made contact with an official and aggressive manner. That that should be a suspension, not just a half-assed idea. All right, buddy. Well, it was a tough weekend to wax people, so I know you had to go right for the man, the administration. Uh, every game was close except for the Argonauts game. Uh, anybody else you want to wax? Um, I can't really think of anything this week. <laughs> I mean, I did spend the week with Fraser, and it was his birthday, so everything's kind of a blur. <laughs> Like, I think I pretty much waxed my liver. So is he suffering from the Irish flu and he's just having like a three-day hangover or something? I don't think so because uh, he was in pretty good shape when I left Monday. Okay, okay. But uh, Max was getting sick from all the nieces and nephews being around, so I'm wondering if that's just starting to go through the house now. You know what? That is probably the number one benefit to not having kids. It is the best. <laughs> Not having kids is the best. <laughs> you don't get sick, the little germ bags bringing all this stuff home from school. I know uh, Max is... I have a- money in my bank account. <laughs> well, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> my stuff doesn't get wrecked. <laughs> speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> if a kid cries, I can just give it back. <laughs> You must be the best babysitter ever. Hey, I babysat my nephew a couple weeks ago. How did that go? Batteries in the Wiimote and went upstairs. <laughs> did you have rechargeables at least or backup batteries? Those burn fast. Oh, it was like the fourth set I had to put in there because all the other ones were dead. <laughs> it was at mom and dad's though, so it's not like it was my batteries. I didn't care. <laughs> I actually can't imagine Brazilian Ty as a babysitter. Like, I would totally, I would pay your cost to go to a babysitting course. I took one. You did? Yeah, when I was like 10 or 12 or whatever, yeah. Oh, did they give you like a percentage, 100%? Where'd you get? Well, I don't want to brag, but uh, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was pretty good, yeah. We get to know you more every single week, Brazilian Thai. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I'm sure some people are lamenting that. <laughs> Thanks for calling in, buddy, and we'll talk to you next week.
In the Huddle with Fraser and Kura on the Two and Out Podcast. Of course, brought to you by Bomb Energy Drink. Uh, you can check them out online if you're in Alberta. I know you can get them at uh, Max Convenience Store. So grab yourself a Bomb Energy Drink. These things are so, so good. Well, the Bomb of the Week has to be Kent Austin. And uh, the punishment that was handed down on Wednesday. There's so many layers to this. Like I don't even know where to get into it. It all started when Michael Filer, the uh, center for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, he ended up moving the ball before the snap. And it's pretty clear from the replay that he did move, tilted up, and moved it probably about six inches uh, forward. Ended up getting a penalty, a procedure penalty for that that sent uh, Kent Austin off the deep end, ends up getting mad, flinging his arms, and comes into contact with the referee's hand, slap the ref on the hand. And uh, the rule book says if you make contact with a referee, that's a 25-yard penalty, you get disqualified from the game. We did not see that. I think it ended up being a 10-yard penalty which is the only part of this whole thing I don't get. There's a lot of people complaining that it's not tough enough, that it took too long. Well, the CFL all year announces their fines and their supplementary discipline on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. This is no different. They do the meetings after all the games, and then they talk about them and they announce them all at the same time. So I I don't get that. You'd rather get it right than uh, just rush it out there. Ten minutes after the game, let's uh, give them not enough or uh, too much. So he gets fined, yes. So we mentioned it with Brazilian tie. We'll mention it later on. Uh, 10K, he's removed from the sideline for this week's game uh, against Calgary. I think it's fair. It's never happened before the, the the commissioner said in his statement that you know what we don't have a precedent we don't have a policy in the off season we're going to have to revisit this and come up with a policy i think that's fine that makes sense to me i, I feel like people now are just finding reasons to hate the commissioner <laughs> why do you why do you have to be angry i don't know what you need to do uh, to feel better about yourself, but quit being so damn angry. Austin, he seemed pretty happy uh, with the punishment, or at least respectful with it. No, I mean, I'm, I'm not. I obviously uh, have a disagreement, you know, about it. And But at the same time, listen, I, I understand that uh, all contact, uh, with intent, without intent, you know, I'm just glad that, that the facts came out, that there was no intent from everybody involved. And um, it was completely accidental. That was important to me that that, that message get out because there was a lot of people that reported otherwise. And hold on, no, but but here's here's the point. But I, but I do, you know, and I told I told Jeffrey this morning. I mean, I do respect, you know, his position and and and, and will respect his decision for sure. Um, and uh, you know, he's listen. He's you know he's got to do what what he feels like is best for the league, and we need to trust that. And. I'm part of this league and, and made a commitment to, to to not only helping this football team but to try to help the league improve and get better and and that's not going to change and and uh, you know he's got a tough job to do and uh, and I respect you know the job that he has to do. Ryan from the CFL Horseman podcast not happy with the punishment. Uh, I think he's got a little bit of an angry elk that he wants sprinkled in there, but he's joining the show later on to talk about the Stampeders and also a little bit on. 
that suspension. Now, elsewhere in the league, a couple signings. Uh, Willie Jefferson uh, got cut by the Washington professional football team south of the border. Uh, instead of going back to Edmonton, he signs in Saskatchewan, reunites with Chris Jones. Tequan Underwood uh, let go by Hamilton, now is in Montreal. And also, uh, Winnipeg trades defensive back Johnny Adams to uh, Hamilton in exchange for neg list receiver Mikhail Mackay. He was actually uh, cut by Indianapolis. Big receiver. Johnny Adams, a free agent at the end of the year, may try the NFL. So this might be a rental situation for Hamilton. They want a stronger secondary for the playoffs, compete for that Great Cup. A uh, couple lineup notes. Drew Willie is going to start this week for the Toronto Argonauts against the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, that's great. Last week, I decided to roll with Dan Lefevre. Gave him the big endorsement on the podcast. Picked him on DraftKings. And yeah, gets pulled from the game. He's 13 for 19, an interception. I mean, it wasn't the worst, but uh, apparently the Argonauts do not believe in Lefevre anymore. Uh, Shagir Bell, officially named starter in Edmonton for the rest of the year, as long as he is healthy and other running backs across the league. This is going to get a little bit tricky uh, if you're playing fantasy. Uh, Andrew Harris and Jerome Messam are both game-time decisions. Timothy Flanders has looked good uh, when Harris has been out. So if he's playing again this week, Feel free to roll with him out there. He's costing about 5K on DraftKings. As far as the Stampeders, uh, Tory Harrison and Roy Finch would probably share uh, carries there. Harrison probably getting the most work. Finch sprinkled in a little bit, but still doing the returns. He is knocking it out of the park on uh, returns. He had over 200 yards there uh, last week, and he's cheap. Both of these guys uh, cheaper than $4,000 on DraftKings, so not bad options, but make sure Messam isn't playing first. Uh, Finch might be an okay option either way. Harrison, uh, not much there if Messam ends up playing. As for the BC Lions... Jeremiah Johnson didn't have his best game against Edmonton last week. Anthony Allen is back in. Isn't it a luxury to have <laughs> two running backs like that on your team? Wally Buono uh, did the right thing by keeping both of them in BC, and Allen's going to get another shot this week. Time for the Fantasy Expose on the 2 and Out podcast. We start from with Game 1. It was the only game that wasn't close. Uh, we did mention it, or I mentioned it a little bit. Dan Lefevre gets pulled from the game. 72 yards, an interception. Goes 13 for 19. Drew Willie looked all right. 16 of 24 for 153 yards and a touchdown. He's going to get a shot. Uh, the... the person taken out of this game uh, was Brandon Whitaker. Uh, Toronto ended up falling behind, so he only got himself uh, six carries, but he did have nine receptions, so he's sort of had a resurgence this year. I really like him this week. Montreal's got the worst run defense in the league. I'm running with Brandon Whitaker, who could eclipse both 800 yards rushing and 400 yards receiving uh, on the air. Kenny Shaw missed this game, so Hazleton gets out of the doghouse for one game, three catches, 37 yards, but it was a quiet day for the Argonauts on offense. As for uh, Ottawa, Trayvon Van hits the six-game injured list, so Moses Madu comes in, gets 16 carries, 91 yards. The Red Blacks really committed to the run game. 
this year. So I have no problem if you want to roll with their running backs because if they're getting 15, 16 carries a week, not many teams in the CFL are doing that anymore. So Ottawa gives you some good options. They end up winning that game 29 12. Uh, the second game, the game I was at, Edmonton home to BC. They win 27 23. Every game here on out, especially starting here, was basically a playoff game for the Edmonton Eskimos. If they want to get into the playoffs, uh, right now they're in the crossover position. And the last game of the year is against Toronto, who wants to get into third place in the East to make the playoffs and at least compete for the Grey Cup on home field. Well, uh, not if Edmonton has anything to say about that. Mike Riley has 300 passing yards in this game, 24 of 31, and has another rushing touchdown. Seven carries for 29 yards. He is crushing it when it comes to rushing this year. It is crazy what he's doing. He has six rushing touchdowns. He had eight in 2014, so we'll see if he beats that, but he's got six rushing touchdowns. They all came in the past seven games, so he's he could be beating that career high by the end of the year. You know what you're getting with Edmonton, but a little more a few more weapons added to the lineup uh, this week. Brandon Zilstra, he's like 3300 bucks on DraftKings. Four catches, 48 yards, and this was his first game. He looked really good. It looks like Edmonton finally has a number three target, and they could be going to him a lot the rest of the year. So watch for him. Bowman does his thing. Six catches, 121 yards, and Shakir Bell, 23 carries. If they keep running the ball, I like Shakir Bell a lot. As for BC, Jonathan Jennings, he's another guy I like this week. He didn't have the best game. 16 of 28, 278 yards, a couple touchdowns, a couple picks, but he's got that chemistry with Manny Arsenal. Seven catches, 164 yards. Another cheap guy to watch on DraftKings, Terrell Sinkfield. Only had a week of practice with BC, comes into the game. He only had the one target, but this is a big play guy that can do a lot of damage. So watch for him to get more involved in that BC offense as the season wraps up. Now we're going to skip here to the Riders and Tiger Cats game. Wow. I mean, so much went on. It's all been said about Ken Austin, the center moving the ball. Uh, Darian Durant looked amazing in the game. 23 of 31, 326 yards, a touchdown, uh, including a beauty long throw to Amarni Edwards, which was uh, incredible. 46-yard touchdown there. Caleb Hawley had 110 yards. Rob Bag had 96. The Riders just looked like a completely different team on all, in all phases of the game. I mean, offense, defense, they did it all. They looked great. Darian uh, Probably had a couple more bucks added to his contract after that game. He left the game because of uh, concussion protocol. Mitchell Gale comes in and ends up uh, uh, captaining them uh, to their uh, final game-winning drive, the the field goal from Tyler Crepinia. It was two-game winning streak now for the Riders. They're on bye this week. As for the Tiger Cats, they're so injured. I mean, John Childs comes in. Another guy I, I don't mind if you want to roll with him in DraftKings. Chad Owens is out. Childs has four catches, 41 yards. Uh, Terrell, uh, uh, Terrence Tolliver ended up missing this game as well. Uh, the only thing I want to avoid in Hamilton is that uh, running game. 
Uh, if Gable's not in, they don't seem to really trust them. Uh, Michael Ford got the start here. Three carries, 11 yards. That's not going to get it done. That's not going to win you many uh, football games. But keep an eye on those injury situations. Uh, Fantuz, Childs, Jasper Collins even. Another cheap option on DraftKings. Good options uh, for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Now let's get to our guest, Ryan of the CFL Horseman Podcast, joins us on To and Out. And I welcome to the show uh, Ryan from the CFL Horseman Podcast. And I, I first of all, I need to say you are probably the best trash talker out of all of the CFL podcasts. I appreciate that. You know, it's something that uh, I don't want to say that I sit at home and practice, but <laughs> years of of sitting on riderfans.com as a Stamps fan oh, has really see sharpened that, that ability to talk crap about any CFL team. Um, I think, I mean, you know, it's, it's easy to talk trash when you're a Stamps fan because they win all the time. They back you um, up. Yeah, exactly. They, they <laughs> go on the field and back up the garbage that I spread around every CFL podcast that I can get to. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's one of the whole reasons I started doing the podcast in the first place was it was, it was an opportunity to, to get out and, and beak off about other teams, and, and uh, it's, a, it's a really good time. I, I appreciate the, uh, the compliment. How, old, how long have you been doing uh, the podcast now? Like, you coming up on the big uh, 10 years, not, not next year or anything, but right away here. Uh, let's see. No, I think next year is our 10 year. Wow. Uh, is our 10th year. Uh, we started in, uh, in 2008, so when you look at complete seasons, we're in our ninth season now. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've been, we've been doing this for a long, long time. It started off as, uh, just two guys in a, sitting around a kitchen table. Um, and we've progressed all the way to sitting around a poker table in a basement. Um, but, uh, <laughs> over the course of, of eight years through two iterations, we were originally on, on GoStampsGo.com when that existed. Um, we did the GoStampsGo show and then, uh, once uh, when that website folded, cflhorseman.ca jumped up in its stead, and uh, we've been doing the show there ever since. And I think we're in in season five on on Go Stamps Go or on uh, CFL Horseman now. Um, but yeah, we've been we've been doing the show a, a long, long time, and and uh, just finally now this season have we got it the the show up on iTunes and Google Play, so it's easier for people to find. But until now, people have always had to go and physically download the link from the Horseman site, and uh, fortunately we've had um, uh, a decent amount of listeners that, that go and do that every week. Uh, last week, uh, the Stampeders and Winnipeg's uh, big, uh, long seven-game improbable winning streak. Uh, they are against Hamilton this weekend. Uh, it's not fun to talk about. I don't think anybody wants to talk about but uh, losing Mylon Hicks uh, over the weekend, uh, the Calgary Stampeders organization, uh, is there almost a dark cloud hanging over, I guess, this week and this team heading into the weekend? It's going to be really interesting to see how they play uh, this weekend. Um, the reports out of practice yesterday were that um, it, was, it was a somber start to practice, Yeah. Um, but the, the act of getting back to football really seemed to – to rejuvenate the team a little bit and and get them um, get them kind of you know back to to routine because of course they they win the game Saturday night 
um, and, and Mylon Hicks passes away early Sunday morning. Um, and then, then really there was, there was nothing as far as team-related activities specifically directed. Um, you know, they, they met for a players' meeting uh, on, on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, but instead of the normal film breakdown and, and all of those things, it was just a meeting about what happened with Mylon and, and, and meeting with uh, victim assistance units uh, from the Calgary Police um, and, and, you know, the, the routine was broken. Um, from, from what we've heard uh, coming out of practice yesterday and again today, it seems like routine is helping the players um, get back into this. And, and I know a lot of guys are taking uh, a serious look at uh, Jamar Wall changing his number um, from 29 to 31 to, to honor Mylon Hicks. And, and I think the team is rallying around the idea that, that they need to play for him because he was such a player um, on the practice roster that drove them to be better week after week. It would be almost an insult to his memory not to play hard, not to play for him, as opposed to letting this tragedy drag them down. They want to use the spirit of Mylon Hicks to raise them up. Yeah, and I don't want to you know, speak for the players or anything like that, but sometimes uh, – this is uh, some good stories can come out of uh, something like this, whether it's uh, learning as a country, as a city, uh, as a team. The whole team can rally together and almost be uh, a little bit stronger uh, as a unit and bring these guys uh, together. And uh, we're going to see that. And I, I think the Stampeders organization knows that uh, all of Canada has their back and uh, the entire league does as well, as I know the whole CFL will be paying tribute uh, to Mylon Hicks this weekend. Yeah, it, uh, it certainly is, is the, the impression that you're getting, especially over social media. You see, uh, you know, fans of all stripes are saying, you know, I, uh, if you asked me to say something nice about the Stamps last week, I couldn't have, but how could I not now? Um, yeah. and, and everybody's rallying behind this team uh, in, in the wake of, of the death of Mylon Hicks. And, and I think um, as, as a Stampeders fan, that's, that's been uh, rather encouraging because I can tell you, you know, I, I'm, I'm fairly close to this team. I get to cover this team and, and go to games and, and talk to these guys in the locker room. And, and watching, having to sit in that press conference where Josh Bell is brought to tears while talking about this, um, that was an incredibly tough situation for me to be in myself. And I didn't know Mylon Hicks. Um, you know, I, I never had the, the pleasure of meeting him, but from all reports, a very, you know, nice young man was voted most inspirational teammate uh, in Michigan State in 2014. Um, and, and so from all reports, a, a good man, a good player, but also a good man, more importantly. And, uh, and I think the CFL has lost something as a whole. Um, and, and, and it's been nice to see fans and other teams rally behind the Stampeders for that. Yeah, his former Michigan State coach told an amazing story on the Waggle podcast uh, with James Sabalski that basically he played uh, four or five plays with a shattered forearm, and he didn't leave the sideline until he ended up losing a contact. He had to go change the contact in his eye. So it tells you about the kind of player that he was uh, both in college and on the practice roster with the Calgary Stampeders. Now, let, let's talk about that game uh, uh, against Winnipeg. Of course, the Stampeders 
had a huge lead. Uh, and then Winnipeg battles back. But apparently 15 seconds is too long to give Bo Levi Mitchell and the Calgary Stampeders the ball back. If you give them 15 seconds, they're only going to need 11. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's, that's what we learned. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. I talked to Dave Dickinson after the game about that, and, I, and someone asked him, they said, why, why is your third quarter so bad every, every week? And he said, because we go into the half with like a 14-point lead every week. <laughs> and he said, it's really hard to, to keep that focus when you're up two scores and you think, okay, well, we need to get out of this game healthy because we've already got it in the bag. And he said, then the problem is you take your foot off the gas a little bit and that's enough to let another team right back into the game. And we've seen that with the Stampeders on several occasions this year. I think Hamilton... Uh, also had a big comeback against Calgary and yeah. got close, but not uh, was wasn't able to to retake the lead. But they made the game an awful lot closer than it should have been. Um, and and so at the moment, the Stampeders, I, I think they to, when you ask them, uh, they would say they've only put together one sixty minute effort yet so far this season, and and that was the game in BC um, a couple weeks ago. Uh, but outside of that, they really don't feel like they've had a, a start-to-finish game yet, um, which is has, has got to be a terrifying thing if you're if you're playing for another team in the CFL <laughs> yeah. when the Stampeders think, yeah, we're okay, but we're not as good as we could be. You know that that's got to be a frightening thing to to hear um, when when you know that you've got to line up against these guys and and despite but for a week one you know stumble. Uh, haven't lost since they're they're undefeated in in 12 games and uh, and they've got a, a 10 game win streak on top of that what blows my mind about the team is the the depth uh it, it's crazy uh bakari grant uh gets banged up kamar jordan steps in and uh gets has over 100 yards receiving is this uh is he gonna stick in the in the roster, or is it as long as he stays healthy and then Grant gets back in, or what's going on there? Well, Bakari Grant is on the sixth game, right? So um, he he may be done uh, until the playoff round. Uh, that was one of the most hotly contested battles in training camp with yeah. Bakari Grant and uh, and uh, Kamar Jordan. They were they were rotating reps in uh, throughout the first game. They were bouncing back and forth, but Bakari Grant kind of got a foothold and. And, uh, you know, that's not to be unexpected. He was, he was the big free agent acquisition this year for the, for the Stampeders until Cordero Law signed today. Um, but Bakari Grant was, was the guy that was coming in to be that, that big addition to the receiving core. Um, but I, I really, when you look at it, uh, it is plug-and-play for the Stampeders right now. And, and there are guys that, that we've had Markway McDaniel on this year, and he said, oh, our, our, we probably still have some of our best players are still on the practice roster. Oh, man. So, like, they're, they're not even – they're saying that some of the best receivers are still guys that are making their way up. So I'm not sure what exactly – you know, we used to joke about, about John Murphy um, having, a, a, you know, one of those Harry Potter – room of requirement things where he'd just go downstairs, knock on the door and say, <laughs> receiver, and another guy would walk out and get a 1,000 yards. Um, but that's, that's exactly what the Stampeders have done over the last several years. And I even joked this week, I said, you know, the Stampeders receiving core is like, you know, a box of, a box of six, six 
die Lego pieces. <laughs> you know, you'd, oh, well, this one's a little bit broken. Well, I'll just put another one in. Well, you just Fine. look at the injured list. Uh, Greg Wilson, Bakari Grant, Joe West. If any other team lost three receivers of that caliper, they'd be in trouble. Yes. Yeah, but that you know what, and and I think a, a lot of credit I think has to go to to John Huffnagel, Michael Petrie, because what these guys are able to do is what they say to guys when you come to Calgary is two things: one, you will never be the highest paid player at your position, and two, that's because we spread money around to get talented players to play here, so that you know we've got depth, and depth is crucial. Uh, as as we've seen around the CFL year after year after year, if you don't have depth, you die. And that's what happens because guys get injured every single year. Last year, the Stampeders ended up playing 17 different players on their offensive line and made it to the West Final. Can you imagine any other team in the CFL having to go 17 deep on the offensive line and still being successful enough to get within one game of the Grey Cup. No. No, we're getting close to how many quarterbacks the Alouettes have went through. Over the past, <laughs> well, let's not get ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, uh, at least with the Stampeders, they were putting five of those on the field at one time. The the <laughs> the Alouettes only dressed, what, seven? <laughs> seven quarterbacks for a game or 19 quarterbacks for a game, whatever it was. But they're going to trade for Darian Durant, we've heard today. Yeah, yeah, they, they, so. they did reach out for him. Now, <laughs> now, the, now and, and what what Justin Dunk says comes to fruition so um <laughs> jim pop is stepping down no he's not no he's not well then he steps down yeah. oh dunk had him again uh but you know that's the guy that shouldn't be on the cfl site the guy that's constantly right yeah. now honestly is is there a weakness in calgary because i see uh if, if messam goes down well okay i guess uh we got uh tory harrison a little bit of roy finch we can sprinkle in there i mean they, and we've got paris cotton on the practice yeah roster. yeah and they had tank reed who's now in auto but no problem we just drafted alex singleton he, he everybody thinks we take him too high because he's going to the nfl no he's only starting a middle linebacker for us now yeah you want to you want to <laughs> think that five teams right now are concerned Considerably regretting their choice. No kidding. So, is there a weakness on this team? Uh, complacency, maybe. Um, that, that honestly, that that's probably it. I, I think if you, you know, we we were joking on the Horseman Show last night that we've recorded, and I'll be posting, uh, hopefully, editing it all together and posting it tonight. That at this point, we should just shut the season down and the other. Eight teams can play a, a tournament, uh, an elimination tournament. Everybody makes the playoffs, <laughs> and then we can have the Great Cup at the end of October um, uh, to play the Stampeders because <laughs> it does look now like there isn't – it doesn't matter what happens to this team, they win. And a lot of that comes from, comes from Bo Mitchell, I think. Uh, the one constant in this injury situation has been Bo Mitchell. Yeah. Bo Mitchell hasn't missed a game due to injury. The Stampeders are destroying other teams. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's there. I mean, you, you look at the defense. You've got Charleston Hughes has been uh, a constant through this season. He hasn't been injured. So he's putting pressure on the quarterback from one side, which has allowed any one of Brandon Bordeaux, Ja'Garrett Davis, or Frank Beltre on the other side to get pressure. It allows Michael John to get pressure up the middle. 
there are constants on this team uh, when you look at players that are excelling at their position that make it easier for the other guys on the team to play as well as they are. And and Bull Mitchell is, is I mean, if it's not a unanimous MOP right now, somebody, I mean, Rod Peterson voted wrong. <laughs> and I, I guess between now and the end of the year, I'm not saying all of the other teams are not tests or they're uh, easy for the Stampeders, but it, it's almost like they don't have a meaningful game right now until the Western final, really. Uh, Accurate. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> and they have a bye the final week of yeah. the season. Is, is this something that worries you a little bit? Uh, it, it would worry me a lot more if Edmonton hadn't done it just last year. And they did, yeah. And, and Edmonton, so Edmonton had three weeks off um, between, or three weeks between games, and they, they came out and, and won the Grey Cup. Um, Calgary, I mean, there are, I think that right now they've got to be chasing history, and that's got to mean something to them. So wins and losses at this point, I think, are elementary. I think the Stampeders are, uh, uh, I think they need two more wins to clinch the West um, between now and the end of the season. So even if they went two and four, uh, or sorry, two and three during their last five games, um, they would still end up clinching the West. Um, and, and, but we've seen this from Stampeder teams before. Uh, there was a, you know, the 1990s teams, uh, one of them got to 14 and one and then ended up the season 15 and three and didn't win the Grey Cup because complacency set in. So I think chasing, in, in talking to guys, there is a, an acknowledgement that 16 and two is the best a team has ever done yeah. in the CFL. Uh, now I think the 89 Eskimos. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, and the, uh, the Riders uh, ousted them in the playoffs. Yes, and they did not win the Grey Cup. So um, there, there's a, I think there's a thought to, okay, well, if the best team ever is 16 and two, and we're at 11, one and one, and we've got Toronto twice, we've got Montreal twice, and we have Hamilton in Hamilton, um, it's possible for them to run the table and finish the season with, uh, what would that be, a 15-game win streak. <laughs> so it's, it's possible for them to do that, which I believe would also start getting towards the um, most, most uh, consecutive wins um, by any team. And I think, uh, I, I want to say, I mean, I know the 12-0 and Stampeders from 48 were, we're around there, but uh, but yeah, you're you're talking about most consecutive wins by a team. If you finish the season out, the Stamps would have 17 in a row. <laughs> it's almost a little bit different than uh, the Eskimos because I, I feel like they were in a dogfight until the end of the season. And I mean, if the Stampeders beat Hamilton and beat Toronto, they've got first. <laughs> yes, and then they really don't have to do much unless, like you say, they want to. Uh, chase history, and I get the feeling from Bo Levi Mitchell that he doesn't just want to be the greatest Stampeders quarterback of all time, which is a tall task uh, with all the names that have been through there, but he wants to be the greatest CFL quarterback of all time. No Stampeder quarterback has ever won two. None. That's crazy to me. Which which is, is weird, but during the progression, no one has ever started and won Two great cups um, for the Stampeders. Uh, when you when you look, you know, you go back. Of course, we had forty eight, and then seventy one, and then uh, the next one was nineteen ninety one. So there was obviously no, but there it's not been no quarterbacks ever started in one two. 
uh, Dickinson, Flutie won one, Garcia won one, Dickinson won one, Henry Burris won one, Marcus Crandall won one. Nobody has ever won two. So uh, Bo Mitchell can become the greatest CFL, uh, the greatest quarterback for the Stampeders just by winning one more. And he's got time to do that because, of course, he's only 26 or something. That's crazy to me. I, like, I feel like an old grandpa. <laughs> well, isn't it, isn't it really weird, though, that, that you've, like, the Stampeders have been reasonably successful. They've got five great cups in the last 25 years, and not, not one of the quarterbacks has two as a starter. Henry has two, but one was as a backup. Yeah, I, you know Garcia and Dickinson have theirs, but they were backups. You know what I mean? Like so, yeah, it's it's never been a second one as a starter. So Bo Mitchell can be there, but I agree with you. I think Bo Mitchell absolutely looks at his career opportunity here is to be the greatest of all time, um, and and you know you you need to win a lot of championships to do that, um, but. Uh, I think he looks, you know, when you look at his winning percentage, it's so far off the charts that they don't talk about it on TSN anymore. You know, they used to put up that chart that said, oh, well, here's how Bo Mitchell compares to some of the other games great. That's not even close anymore. You know, I, I think Bo's career record as a starter is something like 38-9. and nine. You know, he's, he's just, he, he's gotten to the point where it's not, no longer a comparison with other teams in the league. It'll be interesting to see, uh, or I'd like to see the comparison to uh, him and AC's stats at this time, because Calvillo early in his career, quite frankly, sucked. He was terrible. <laughs> he was terrible. I mean, I think he played for Memphis too, right? Well, Vegas, Hamilton, Vegas. and he was he was brutal. Yes. And then he became Anthony Calvillo. Bo Levi doesn't need to become Bo Levi. He already is. So. Well, that's, and that's the scary thing. Is yeah. if, if he's this good now, you know, where is he going to be in five years? You know, and, and of, of course injuries come into play and, and all of that stuff, but he's proven to be incredibly durable. Um, he doesn't get hit. He gets hit once every third game. So, <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, the Stampeders are now down to an average of one sack per game. <laughs> and uh, they had seven after week three. So they've allowed six sacks in ten weeks. Wow. And, uh, like, uh, just what, what's happening here right now is, is – you know, as a Stamps fan, of course, it sounds like I'm crowing, right? I'm talking about how great my team is. But at the end of the day, objectively, looking from an outsider's point of view, you have to look at what the Stampeders are doing right now as one of the greatest teams of all time. If they're able to finish this out, if they're able to continue at this pace, you know, even if they lose a game or two between now and the end of the year, if they're able to kind of continue at this pace and end this season with a Great Cup championship – you're going to have to look at this team in, you know, you're going to 20 years from now say that 2016 St. Peter's team was one of the best of all time. Dynasty is a, is a word that it's such a strong word, but it's hard to have one now in, in any league because of the salary cap. And yeah. uh, the CFL has so much turnover because there's so much other factors, whether guys are going to the CFL, they're not making enough money, so, hey, I'm going to go sell cars or whatever. Right. Uh, and 
guys are retiring a lot younger now because of the health issues associated with football and concussions and all that. The fact that they've been able to keep it together for the past decade is uh, incredible. They, they're heading into the donut box in Hamilton this weekend. Kent Austin will not be on the sidelines for the Tiger Cats. For me, that means advantage Calgary. That, okay, so... Uh, I don't know. Do people curse on this show? Uh, yeah, we we got a censorship uh, uh, system, the Angry Elk. So you'll get uh, you'll get uh, censored by an elk in rut. <laughs> okay, well, I prep prep the button because I think this this suspension and fine um, is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. You can, you're allowed to coach the team, just not from the sideline. That's the punishment for slapping an official. <laughs> I, I, if, if, I wouldn't care. Like, put Chris Jones in this, in this situation and not Ken Austin because the Stampeders aren't playing the Riders the rest of the way. Oh, he would have been banned from the league. Well, uh, all right, Rod. Calm down. <laughs> uh, but he, he did, like, if Chris Jones was doing this and slapped an official, I would still say... Suspension immediately should have been ejected from the game first. I can't believe that they didn't eject him from the game because, you know, a, contacting an official is supposed to be an ejection. It's happened to Stampeder players in the past where a Stampeder player contacted an official, it was a 25 yard penalty, yeah. and the player was ejected. Yeah. If Deron Carter ran into an official and slapped him, <laughs> he'd be suspended. It would take eight weeks to figure it out first, though. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. But Ken Austin should have been suspended. There's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it in my mind. The fact that he's playing Calgary this week is a, an inconvenient time for me to have this stance. Um, but Ken Austin should not be coaching this week. Ken Austin shouldn't be at the stadium this week. You do not slap an official and get away with it. It just shouldn't happen. And, and I think it, at this point, um, the fact that the CFL kind of is saying, well, he can coach, but he can't be on the sideline, it's a $10,000 fine, is really kowtowing. So I don't know, maybe Austin slapped over it or something. I, I can't, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> like whatever it was that got Ken Austin to get away with this is, is beyond me because he's already had a contact incident with Dave Stalla like last year. You did, you know, yeah. This is a pattern of behavior. You can't have that, and, and you can't, you shouldn't have been able to get away with it. And just saying that now you've got a coach from upstairs doesn't, st- I mean, it's not like he's got tin cans down to the sideline. He's got, you know, the, the newest technology. So he's still going to be in the ear of his quarterback, he's still going to be in the ear of his coaches. So all you've done is make sure that he can't slap anybody on the field this week, which isn't enough of a deterrent to stop someone else from slapping an official. Ooh. <laughs> I think we disagree on this. I'm not going to battle you. I'll, I, I, I'll put in my own two cents when uh, uh, earlier in the show. But, man, he, he 
It's interesting that uh, the two Stampeders and uh, Ticats games, one CFL wired, another one is this one. There's so much yeah. surrounding this game. Now, as far I got one more question for you uh, regarding the Stampeders. I feel like if the Riders, the Bombers, the uh, Ticats, the Red Blacks all had 12-game winning streaks, the stadium would be full. Uh, now, if they do have smaller stadiums than uh, McMahon by probably about 5,000 or up to 10,000 for each of those stadiums. Uh, are the fans a little bit spoiled? Is it the the economy? I feel like that's not talked enough about, especially in Western Canada or in Alberta, uh, regarding uh, you know entertainment dollars uh, and, and football tickets going. How do we fill McMahon Stadium again, or is it maybe they just need a new stadium? Uh I, I think there's there's a lot of combination of factors here. I think uh, McMahon, I love the old girl. Um, I have no problems going to a game there, but that's because I tailgate outside before the game. I eat outside before the game. I have a drink outside before the game. And then I come inside, use the restroom, go to my seat, and stay there until the game's over. And I think McMahon is some of the best sight lines in the CFL. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I, you know, to, to quote Eskimo Empire, um, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but I, I just, you know, I think that, that McMahon is, is a great stadium to watch a football game in. The problem is it's not a good stadium to have to go to the bathroom in. No. It's not a good stadium to want to get a beer in. It's not a good stadium to want to get food in. And so when all of those inconveniences add up for all those people that do those things, well, I can stay home, watch the game on my high-def 50-inch TV, and get a better view of the action, get instant replay immediately, and not have to wait an hour to get into the bathroom. Uh, those are big things to deal with. The second factor is the first thing you mentioned, which, are, which is fans are totally spoiled here. We haven't ha- we've had... Three losing seasons since 1990. <laughs> there are two generations of Stampeders fans that haven't really seen a bad team. There's been one four and fourteen team that was bad, and then we had an eight and ten team that won the Grey Cup. You know, like wow. even the bad teams still did okay. You know, like uh, it really, when you think about it, this Stampeders team has been successful since Wally Buono took over in 1990. There has been a succession of coaches, and but for the Federick years, where a box magnet bought the team so his son could play quarterback poorly, (laughs) um, but for that short amount of time, and that was just three years, the Stampeders have been a Grey Cup favorite every season. And I I mean favorite in that they're, they're not the team that, it's not a surprise when the Stampeders win the Grey Cup. Yeah. At no point is it ever a surprise anymore that the Stampeders are in the conversation for the Grey Cup. And that's, like I said, that's 26 years in a row. You know, there are 23 of the last 26 years. So does it, there are, there, the feeling exists in this city, I think, with some Stamps fans. You know, the hashtag, is it June yet, uh, was huge. Yeah. For, for CFL fans this year. Oh, is it June yet? Is it June yet? Is CFL back? Is CFL back? The prevailing feeling a lot of, among a lot of Sam Peters fans is, is it November yet? 
Right. Because we're going to be in the playoffs. We know we're going to be in the playoffs. So, you know, they'll get there. It doesn't matter. I don't need to, I don't need to go to the game because they're going to win. And, and this year at home, uh, there have been some incredibly exciting games. But I, I think a lot of fans are watching those on TV. And, and you're right, the economy does play into that. But I think, you know, stamps tickets are substantially cheaper than Flames tickets. Yeah. And the Flames are still selling out. So, um, you know, I like, I got, I have Stampeders tickets. I have two of them because I sit in the family section where you get, uh, it's, it's buy one adult ticket, get a child ticket for free. Yeah. I get two Stampeder season tickets for $220. Wow. So I'm paying 110 bucks per seat for nine games. Um, uh, you, you obviously can't beat that. Good luck going to a one Flames game for that. <laughs> well, exactly. Well, I have Flames season tickets too, but I'm I'm way up in the in the yeah. nosebleeds, and I I still only pay thirty bucks a game for those. But you have to buy forty five of those yeah. games. You don't buy nine. You know. Yeah. Wow. Wow. But yeah, it's it's not. There's no reason why you're not going to Stamps games, and I think. I think people should take advantage of the fact that they have this kind of team. Because you're right, dynasties don't last forever. You can't keep teams like this together forever. And I think people should be coming down to the stadium to enjoy the atmosphere of a team that has been this dominant. Wow. Well, Ryan, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and killing time with me as Fraser suffers from his man cold or whatever it is that he's suffering from or just being lazy. Uh. <laughs> well, he was at that rush draft party. Yes, he was on Monday. I guess it's a sign. He just celebrated his birthday last week, so maybe he's one of those two-day, thirty-year-old hangovers. Ah, uh, yeah, those those are a problem. <laughs> Once you get to be of a certain age, you can no longer drink like you did when you were young. Absolutely. Uh, where can we find more of you and uh, the show? Uh, well, uh, first off, uh, you can look on iTunes and, or the Google Play Store. Um, to uh, through the podcast apps to look for uh, Horseman Radio, and that's M-E-N, Horseman Radio. Uh, you can go to cflhorseman.ca. We have uh, probably the most welcoming forum uh, for opposition fans if you want to come on and talk about the CFL in general. Uh, uh, you can find us on Twitter, of course, at at CFL underscore Horseman, and uh, you can find myself at Podcaster Ryan. Uh, and, uh, yeah, lots of, lots of stuff going on with the social media, but, uh, we would really appreciate people, uh, especially clicking on the, uh, the old iTunes subscribe button and, and moving us up the charts a little. It's taken us nine years to get on there, but we are <laughs> on there now. And, uh, we're going to be posting greatest hits podcasts from the past nice. of player interviews that we really enjoyed, uh, at the end of every month. So this week, I think, uh, we're going to be posting three shows this week. Uh, with uh, one uh, one show we recorded last night and two best of episodes, so uh, we're going to be kind of filling uh, filling the uh, the time between kickoffs because uh, that's that's what we need to do is fill it with more CFL podcasting. Awesome, I totally agree. Well, thanks for coming on, Ryan. Pleasure as always, man. It's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter at 2 and Out CFL. All right, let's wrap this thing up by uh, making the picks for this week. Friday Night Football, actually all of the games this week are so tough to call. Edmonton in Winnipeg. 
man, the, the, the Bombers coming off that tough loss against Calgary last week. They made the comeback, and it wasn't enough. Edmonton, a big win over BC. So <laughs> I, I could see this game going either way. I think it's going to be decided on the final drive. Whoever has the ball last, they could go in victory formation, but I think whoever scores last and has the ball last uh, will win this one. I think it's decided by less than a touchdown. I am going with Edmonton. And for the music from Edmonton, country music. Corblund. Well, his mind's a little tired, but his back is pretty strong. Got his green kings and filthy frozen coveralls on. And he's drilling by the inch, and he's hauling on the winch. Take a fuel from the tanks on his short chain shift. You better hire him on. He's the roughest neck around. He got the power in his hands to pull the dragons from the ground. Tell me that's not catchy, man. <laughs> that one is super catchy. Saturday, we have two games. Hamilton, home to the Calgary Stampeders. Maybe this is a Grey Cup preview for this one. I have to go Calgary. How do you pick them to lose at this point? It's just impossible. So from Calgary, it's the band Stairwell and Broken Out of Money. Broken Out of Money, sleezing in the Heck of a band from Calgary. I love those guys. Make sure you check them out. Then Saturday night, the BC Lions home to the Ottawa Red Blacks. BC badly wants a win. Ottawa wants to keep things rolling. I think this one is going to be another battle. Another close game. But I got to stick with the sole decision and pick BC. And then on Sunday, it is the Montreal Alouettes, home to the Toronto Argonauts. The Owls coming off the bye. I don't know if the rest of the team respects Rakeem Cato yet. It's crazy what is happening there. And, of course, Jacques Chapdelaine is going to have his debut at head coach for the Owls. I have to stick with Toronto here. I am a believer in Drew Willie, and I think uh, if it ended up being a Toronto-Winnipeg Grey Cup, I would totally love that. I'm rooting for Drew Willie. I want him to succeed. I want him to stick it to his own old team for not believing in him. Uh, I think he gets the win this week against Montreal. I don't know if Drew Willie's much of a Cardinalo Fischel fan, but that's our song for Toronto this week. That does it for episode 54 of the Tune Out CFL podcast. Thanks to Brazilian Ty. Thanks to Ryan from the CFL Horseman podcast for joining me this week and uh, killing time. We'll see if Fraser's back next week. Uh, maybe I will take the bye week for once. Have yourself a great week. My name's Travis Cura. Like on Facebook, Tune Out CFL. Follow on Twitter. Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We will. Talk to you next week.